0: It's that time of the day. It's the
1: 4th Street Sports Show. Let's get it. And welcome back to 4th Street Sports Show. I'm your host, Dima Mixon. Here on this beautiful, what day is it today? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? I don't even know. There's too many days in the week. You know, when you go to Auburn, uh, it it just throws your schedule off so much. I mean, I I got home uh, probably about 1 in the morning, uh, Monday night. And I got home and I was like, man. Do I need to wake up for church tomorrow? And then I was like, oh, wait, it's Monday. I was like, oh, it's Tuesday tomorrow. I was like, man, I'm so thrown off. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, you know, it's Super Regional Week in Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg Super Regional for the second year in a row. Uh, so why not have a podcast every day, right? I mean, when, when do we have an opportunity to have a podcast every single day? And that's starting today. Uh, you heard yesterday's our live Twitter space. We want to again thank you, everybody who joined our live Twitter space It was like, I think the final number was like 176 who were in there with us uh, live. So that was really awesome. Thank you all for that. Uh, Me and Jackson really enjoy having that on. So today we have Jackson Kennedy, as always, as the co-host. And we also have our uh, new co-host next season as well, John JonBenet Kepper, uh, here with us. And then we have a special guest, uh, Scott Kurt. Uh, He works for WDAM under the um, unfortunate guidance of Taylor Caret. Um, just, uh, that's just sad, man. Um, but good to have all three of you on, um, uh, ready to talk a little baseball. Uh, we're not going to really get into Tennessee that much today. Uh, we kind of want to save that for our preview pod, which will come out Friday. Uh, we will touch on it, um, a little bit, but we kind of want to recap Auburn a little bit, talk about what this week kind of looks like for Southern baseball. Um, and you know, guys, uh, well, thank you all for coming on. Uh, I just want to say to start the show off, um, I had a good meal at Applebee's last night. I don't know if anybody else did. It's fancy.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Bourbon Street steak and an Oreo shake. I mean, where where else?
2: Where right, where I else? Honest, guys, I I saw what was going on, but I really have no idea where it started at all. I know that the song with Applebee's, I don't know where it came from. I just know it's a thing, so I need to be cut off
1: the speed.
0: Would you like for me to fill you in? Because I I think Jackson
1: should because I kind of like I turned (laughs) off Twitter for about an hour and I got back on and my Twitter crashed because of how many comments and replies. I was like, okay well,
2: I don't know what's going on, but apparently
1: we don't have an Applebee's.
2: I like woke up at 940 to see who hosted the regional, (laughs) saw who was hosting and then went right back to bed to wake up at like two. So I was kind of just reading and I know it's a thing but again I don't know what was going on exactly.
0: So yesterday was probably one of the best days of my entire life. I was but the worst part was I was running errands with my family and I'm just opening Twitter and just looking at like there were like two Tennessee fans just yapping and They each shared about two brain cells and they were fighting for third place. Like it was, it was wow. But like, um, it was one of the most entertaining days I've ever had in my life. My favorite exposure to the internet ever. But there's this one account called super everything school. I'm not going to read off their official username, but that's like a little like nickname that they have. But they were just like, oh yeah, Hattiesburg is such a terrible town. Why wouldn't they want it in Knoxville? And it's like, oh yeah, Tennessee stadium's bigger. And people just replied and said, Nope. Southern Miss's uh stadium's bigger than that. They're like, oh yeah? Well, Tennessee gets more people for baseball games. And then people are like, Nope. Uh Southern Miss averages a thousand more fans per game than Tennessee does. And the guys are like, oh yeah? Well, the weather sucks. And then it's like, um, Okay, and then he pulled up a forecast. Oh, yeah, it's going to be thunderstorming this weekend. In Knoxville, it wouldn't do that. And then people pulled up the Knoxville forecast, and there was more thunderstorms in (laughs) Knoxville this weekend than in Hattiesburg. And then, like, just, like, overdosing on copium here. This guy is just, like, coping and seething and just coming up with, like, the dumbest things possible and, like, he was winning Olympic gold for mental gymnastics. It was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. He was like, "Oh yeah, well your town sucks. It's a trailer park." And I'm like, "Uh huh." I just keep at it reading along. cuz "I bet the biggest thing to do there is an Applebee's." And it's like, and then somebody replied, I, I can't remember who it was, but it said, "Yep, you you go do that. Go go to Applebee's." And he's like, "Oh wait, your town doesn't even have an Applebee's." And he thought that was like the ultimate own. And people are like, "Yeah." We, we kind of ran Applebee's out of Hattiesburg, and, and then he ignored it. And he pulled up a picture of Google Earth, and there were, like, two little pins of where Applebee's locations used to be. He's like, wait a second. Hattiesburg had two Applebee's? What kind of a terrible city would fail this restaurant twice? And was just, like, like, just talking about this, like, just it was so hysterical. I was, like, I was cackling, laughing, reading it every single time. And unfortunately, this poor, poor man um, has deleted most of his tweets talking about this, including the Google Earth screenshot, which I wish I had because I would put that tweet as like my home screen. It is only tied with one of the replies that Dima got under his announcement that Southern Miss was hosting. But I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, anyways, uh, I don't think we're going to mention that that reply. I I, don't think, I, I think, will, think on a podcast. Okay, Probably not. Check so my Twitter. Uh, it will it will be my pinned tweet. Oh, no, Scott, you haven't even gotten to the best part. Like, I, I, this is like part one of like a three. Like, if this is like Star Wars, we have, we are like halfway through A New Hope, and brother, there are 12 more movies. Like, 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 we're including TV shows, everything. He's, so people are just quote tweeting this guy. I'm like, this guy, he, he needs some help. Like, this is a real special fellow right here. Like, he's got, I don't know what, I don't know what his train of thought is, but it has crashed. Um, and this is a reply that he said, y'all have yet to do a single thing to, to defend Hattiesburg. Is it because you know it's a crap place with a crap school, LOL, question mark? And then uh, Reagan Grant replied, when you say things like, wow, your town sucks, it doesn't have an Applebee's, we don't really have to defend it. And he said, what I'm actually saying is, wow, your town sucks, you can't even keep an Applebee's open, but I understand how you'd be confused. And then Scott the City of Hattiesburg replied to this tweet. The City of Hattiesburg official Twitter account replied to this tweet and is Toby one of my no, it was it wasn't even Toby Barker. It was the official that says City of Hattiesburg MS. Like it's incredible. And he said, that logic doesn't really track, but here, let us help fix it. And they send him a link to visit Hattiesburg and we say, our thriving economy is home to more than two hundred local restaurants. Granted, it may not be the Bourbon Street steak and Oreo shake you love. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, one of my uh, one of my favorite reactions to this is somebody quote tweeted that, and they said, "Boy, got taken deep by a whole dang city." Uh, and it, it's just like the reaction to that has been incredible, and like all of the Tennessee fans have just. They've come up with so many just like non sequiturs, just so many things that just they, nothing. Every every insult is just so laughable, and like I, I'm, I'm having a great time because not only is the Applebee's thing happening, this one guy called Scott Barry a fat lard, and then his in his profile picture you can see that he's 300 pounds smoking a cigar, and I'm like, dude, like, yeah, like Scott Barry would beat the crap out of you. Like I would pay money to watch like a half of a round of boxing cuz that's all that it would take. Like it was
1: yeah. It was an well, all-time I, day.
2: I I didn't know it'd be a Rocky Toppy temp, like temper tantrum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That that <laughs> is the best part about Tennessee to me coming to Hattiesburg and playing Southern Miss is that we get to hear Rocky Top da, 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 for literally every single minute of every day, you know. And I, oh, and I thought I had enough of that the football season. So, Aren't
2: they the ones that started the ball five, ball five? Aren't they the ones that started that chant? I'm pretty
0: Tennessee? sure
1: they
2: were.
0: I do know that they are the ones who started throwing uh, mustard bottles on football fields.
1: That part is also true. I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is my favorite. My favorite tweet was this. And we can kind of get off the Twitter verse here in a second, but... My favorite tweet of yesterday was this. It was from uh, Robbie Falk, um, and he, he actually is a Mississippi State beat writer, uh, 247 Sports. And he just simply said – it was just one sentence, and I just thought it was a banger tweet. And he said, people that just started following college baseball last year are so mad right now. And, like, I just – that's the complete, like, emancipation of all of yesterday. Of, like, this is a fan base, Tennessee baseball, that really, I mean – took the college baseball, um, you know, baseball, as we were saying on the Twitter space, the college baseball world by storm last season um, when, you know, they were claiming to be the best team of all time and playing games with the wooden bats and all that stuff. um, And that's when their fans really then just started to kind of go to the baseball games. Cause you know, Tennessee, I think they, I don't know their history, but I know they've never won a national title in baseball. And I don't think they've ever gotten to the College World Series Finals but one time. And I was looking at it yesterday. I think they've only gotten to the World Series Finals one time in their program. So this is a program who's dogging uh, Southern Miss Baseball, who, um, who like, is been has been a, a more complete program in college baseball. We can talk about it being a college, a a baseball school in general. This is a program that the whole community comes around this baseball team at this time of year. You see how hard it is to get tickets. You see how hard it is. I mean, last year, Super Regional, if it'll tell you anything, there's people crawling over bushes just to be able to see the game. I mean, it was 8,000 people there. So it, it just is, I think it was insulting to the Southern Miss baseball athletics to say that for the NCAA to give Southern Miss the host site um, over Tennessee was like a travesty. We, I read a story on two, four, seven sports uh, by the Tennessee guy, two, four, seven sports. And it was laughable. It was honestly an insult to journalism of what, what they were typing in there about how Southern Miss baseball was the biggest underdogs and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I mean, I, I, if you look at any national college baseball writer, Kendall Rogers and Mark Etheridge, all the ones from D1 Baseball and whoever it is. I mean, they were all saying it's a literal toss-up. We said that, you know, it's a toss-up. Who gets it? Southern Miss got it. And um, there was definitely reason to put it in Hattiesburg and there was definitely reason to put it in Knoxville. But, and I I know that if it would have gone to Tennessee, Southern Miss fans would have, you know, roasted the NCAA the same way. But I don't know necessarily if Southern Miss fans would have roasted Knoxville, right? They're not going to like, they're not going to crap on the coach. Like, that just shows you the, the, the difference in the fan base. You know, I, and I know that some of his fans would have been mad. You know, they've been like the SEC, all this stuff. But these fans were saying, like you're saying, Jackson, they were like insulting Scott Barry. Like, that's a whole nother level, right? They were insulting the city, they are insulting the fans. And like, that's a whole nother level of low. When we talk about something that was fine print, basically a coin flip of who should host the Super Regional.
2: Well, you know, I think too that yeah. uh like when we didn't get the regular regional, Auburn got it. There was a little bit of outrage, but I mean it wasn't really that bad. You know what I mean? It was more like the team itself. Things like that. But I think that's gonna happen with the SEC because they are the SEC. Like they had eight regular regionals. They expected that. That's what happens in my opinion kind of like when the committee kind of coddles one conference and all my opinions are my own you know it's not going to go on to a broadcast or anything but uh, i've kind of learned that you know you start entitling the teams the conferences things like that are going gonna to happen like i coming here moving here i realized very very quickly southern miss was not just any non-power five baseball school i was very wrong and uh obviously the people who are on top kind
1: of know that for sure well uh john benet anything to add there been kind of quiet on this
3: so i was thinking like when you were talking about the fan base and the differences i have a friend that has come to like one baseball game this whole season right and he made a comment that it was like you know you either walk in and you're at home or you walked in someone else's house it's no in between um and as someone that's been to games, like, you know, since I was a little kid, um, I didn't really realize that until he said it. And it was like, yeah, it's true. I mean, I feel like Southern Miss fans are, you know, they're there for the long run. And even if we didn't host, I feel like it wouldn't have gotten as personal like with the comments about Scott Berry as the Tennessee fans did.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's just uh, – that's a whole nother level. I mean, you're talking about – as we're probably fixing to discuss here in a little bit, just the I mean, one of the greatest college baseball coaches of all time, I would argue. And, and you can't, I mean, you just can't say, <laughs> I mean, that's just all, you know, what, what is going to be posted in the Soldiers locker room this week, is going to be some of those tweets that they were saying about Scott Barry and saying like, Hey man, this is our guy right. This is a team like these, these fans literally think this, like this isn't like just a joke. Like if, if you're not, you don't say those things as jokes, you know? So, um, but enough about the fan. I, I think it's great, though. Like, I think the fan fight on Twitter is great for the game. Like, that—that that is going to yeah, make you know this an even.
2: Hey, you know what? You know, Tony Vitello is not a perfect coach either, right? I mean, we, we know about all the uh, all the loudness that the volunteers created, right? I mean, it's kind of like they're forgetting that. Coach Berry ain't standing for that. Tony Vitello, they're a different breed.
1: No doubt. And just the thought of Tony Vitello having to go through Southern Miss to get to Omaha is like, <laughs> that is just so awesome. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's enough, I guess, on that. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Auburn Regional. Um, I know we touched on it a lot in the live Twitter space. Um, but, um, you know, Southern Miss, they, they come out with an um, incredible performance by Tanner Hall on Friday. Uh, can't squeak out the win there. Uh, the bats didn't get going um, uh, soon enough, and then, you know, they, they gave up that home run with Justin Storm at the 10th inning there. Um, then they come back and just wallop Auburn in that morning game. I mean, it wasn't particularly close at all. Um, and then they win two games. They went beat Sanford in the morning after a delay, and then that night they beat Penn. Uh, they kind of had to get around some interesting calls there against Penn, and then, um, but then they finally figured it out and they blew it open in the ninth. And then um, uh, in the, the – then Monday's game, you know, they, they fell behind early but then got got it back and, and won the regional. Um, Scott, uh, me and Jackson talked about it a lot, but just, uh, what, you know, you were there. What did you see? You were there with me. So uh, just, just give us your thoughts on, on what you saw there, man.
2: Yeah, well, first off, uh, I think the Auburn complex was beautiful. Although I know that USM fans and stuff wanted to host. Auburn was great time. They were great hosts, you know, to us, the media. field was beautiful, all that stuff. Um, groundskeeper also did a good job. But I think that as each day went on, we saw the test just get tougher and tougher. This was no easy regional for, for, for Southern Miss. As the weeks go on, I mean, you can tell. It gets harder but somehow some way i mean the offense finds a way to come through you know what i mean it's just uh and a lot of times you're watching and your your belief just kind of gets sunken away i mean monday they're down five one to pen after just not not a great inning started by tanner hall and then i think it was uh i think it was old when they came in or 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 somebody along those lines And, and and they gave up five runs your heart just kind of sinks to your stomach, and they score five runs back. I mean, I, it was incredible. Couldn't believe it. It was like for that Monday game, the Pete Taylor Park magic came through. But I also want to think that in the back of their minds, obviously they're playing for Coach Barry, but a little bit more as well. Like, who wants to be the first team to let the Ivy League school go to a Super Regional? Not, not any of them because it's been so long, right? Like, you don't want to have that title to you. You don't want to go out in Auburn. You know, Penn reminded me a lot of Southern Miss during the back half of the season after that Coastal game, just on that winning streak. It kind of felt like it was so hard to stop them. I mean, they were a real juggernaut. But somehow they fought, and uh, if you're not convinced that they're a real threat, you you got to rewatch the tape because uh, I'm all on board now, and I've had my doubts.
1: Yeah, he's definitely had his doubts. He has voiced those doubts to me a good bit. <laughs> um, Jackson, uh, I know know that we've talked about it almost a, a, an amazing, a crazy amount on that Twitter space. But I guess just for the people who haven't been able to listen to that yet and, um, you know, you were there for the last game. But just like Scott's saying, I mean, the team, I mean, it just feels like they're just – It doesn't – like they could be down 5-1, and and they just immediately step back, and it seems like every single time they face any sense of adversity, they respond with flying colors.
0: Yeah, I know. I I said this on the Twitter space, and I'll say this again. Uh, If if this were a football game, which it felt like at times on on Monday, uh, Coach Will Hall would have said, now that was a Southern Miss win because it was. I mean, Southern Miss went down five to one, and then in the bottom of that inning, after going down five to one, ties it right back up, and then Southern Miss goes down again, if I'm not mistaken, or like no, I, I, don't, I don't think they, they they went down again. Um, but you know, Southern Miss has had to battle back all. All, all tournament. So they just lost the opener to Sanford off of what I consider to be Tanner Hall's best performance of his career, or at least the hardest he's ever played his entire career. Uh, like Tanner Hall's maximum amount of pitches that he's thrown was 115 or like 113. And he threw 123, a complete nine innings what, in, in what should have been it like a 2-1 to or a 3-1 to game that the Golden Eagles won. Especially off an incredible performance by Tanner Hall, but you know, the bats hadn't woken up yet. Um, when some say that Southern Miss plays best with their backs against the wall, uh, we've seen that time and time again this season. Uh, Southern Miss didn't really pick it up until they got punched in the mouth and punched hard by Coastal Carolina, giving up what 35 runs in the first two games completely unable to respond running Tanner and Billy out of the game super early. That was so uncharacteristic and Southern Miss really woke up right there. Um, and, and then the golden Eagles really responded and that I feel like this regional was just an amalgamation of Southern this season, you know, uh, get punched in the mouth hard by a team they didn't think they were going to lose to. I mean, look at Texas state, look at, Tulane or and 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 La Tech and 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 UNO, you know, Southern Miss almost lost to Tulane. Southern Miss lost at La Tech, which is crazy because that is the team I personally hate seeing Southern Miss lose to La Tech more than I hate seeing them lose to Ole Miss. Like that's how much the Southern Miss faithful dislikes La Tech. Um, and Southern Miss dropped a game to them, <clears throat> but just like uh, but. But just like in the season, in the regional, so they just picked it up and they turned it around. It was an incredible showing of endurance, tenacity, uh, and pure love for Coach Berry. Uh, it was incredible. And uh, I'm going to pull up a quote from uh, from Will Armistead because it really does seem like that guy is just full of the, of the hottest one-liners in Aristotle. all of sports. Like... He is dude Will Armistead so he just cool. so
1: casually drops like like it's not like it's not like he he's like it's just like oh well that was the best quote I've ever heard. Yeah. Like just he's like just talking and then he's just like Yeah, water's wet. You're like well, <laughs> Yeah, like see
0: like wow. Will, Will Armistead like talks and he, he he espouses wisdom like he's like Sun Tzu or like Confucius or something crazy like that. Like like and he and he says it so casually. It's like like he he, he he drops the hardest one-liners in all of college sports and he and he says them like he's describing the weather. But this is what he said after Monday's win, where Will Armistead really slammed the door on Penn in what was a fantastic game to watch. I I I, I I hated some moments, but as soon as Will Armistead came in, I loved pretty much every minute. It was such a, it was such a fantastic performance by him. And if the Southern Miss uh, faithful remembers, he was the one who came in after Billy Oldham in Saturday's morning game against Auburn. So this is what he said uh, after Andrew Avity, a uh, very very good friend of the, of the show. Um, asked Will how the pitching staff pieced together the game because everybody knew there was going to be a bullpen day going in. They didn't know, hey, are we going to throw guys that have already thrown this weekend? Are we going to throw guys that we haven't seen in a while, like Isaiah Rhodes, uh, you know, like uh, J.B. Middleton, stuff like that. But this is what uh, Will Armistead said. Everybody's arms hurt. Everybody's tired. Everybody's hungry and feels terrible. But so what? You have a job to do. And as a player, that job is to leave everything on the line for your team. And he said it, and then just continued on. It's like, "Guy's a dog with a capital everything on like eight G's."
2: But you know what, Dima as well. One thing too, dog. You know, we were like the first people to interview Armistead. I think it was game. It was a home game against, I want to say South Alabama or something. And I remember we we were the first ones to the interview. Yeah, Armistead. It, was, it was early May. I, I think it was South Alabama. I can't remember, but he was let's just say that with every interview he's done he's progressively gotten more comfortable and more better and that in itself i actually admire because obviously coming out of high school and then having a microphone in your face it can't be the easiest thing for some people so that itself right from your first interview a little nervous a little shy to your second one making headlines in montgomery then now you're at the podium and oliver like a true pro that in itself is some props
0: yeah absolutely and for sure and yeah so that I feel like that quote from Will Armstead really just encompasses how the entire regional went because everybody was tired, everybody was exhausted, all like it was very apparent that these guys were playing for a lot. They they were they were playing to continue their beloved head coach's season and to send him out the way that they want to send him out. But there were a lot of obstacles in their way. And I feel like that quote by Will just really, really perfectly sums up. How everybody feels about Coach Barry, and how everybody feels about when they want this season to end. So uh, it it was a fantastic regional, just a display of Southern Miss grit like no other. And uh, and with that, i will pass it back to Dima.
1: Yeah. So um, you know, I, I think what what the, the the bottom line I think is that this team's response is at its it's peak right now. And you, you think about all the times that, and just like Scott was saying, um, just like Scott was saying, when you have that, like, oh man, I mean, you think when it was five, one against Penn, you know, you thought, okay, I guess that, that might do it. And and it was like, oh no, four spot, just like that. Right. And it's just like the, the team's ability to respond is unbelievable. Like it, it really is. So, um, and I think that's going to help them a lot going into uh, you know, this weekend and playing a Tennessee team who's, who's pretty good. So, with that, let's uh, let's give our flowers of the week. We haven't given our flowers in a while, we don't uh, since we're not in studio, we don't have uh, the flowers uh, by the university uh, florists. Um, so that's what we normally do, but we're going to give our player of the week. You can only pick one, and we're going to try to narrow it down to one. So, player. Of the weekend for Southern Miss, um, I have mine. Jackson, do you have yours? And uh, if you do, buddy, you can go ahead.
0: So this is a hard one because there, there, there's a lot of players who contributed in a lot of different ways. But I'm going to go. Uh, I, I'm split between two, and maybe you can help me out because I have two different criteria of which I'm voting for these two different players to be to to, to receive their. Uh, Digital flowers, I guess. Um, first off is one of the more obvious choices, Rodrigo Montenegro. He played every single game. Every single game as catcher. And he was an on-base machine. So Southern Miss Twitter was talking and they were like, hey, if you really, really want to get messed up, take a shot every time that Rodrigo gets on base. And to illustrate how gone one would have been... Um, Rodrigo only didn't get on base once in Monday's game against Penn, which was wild. That man was hit by pitches, walked, bloopered, uh, just nailed the ball almost to the wall. And people were not expecting uh, our Guatemalan catcher to nail it as hard as he did because he he ran up like it was just a routine fly ball uh, midfield. And then he slipped and fell. Because it went up under him, and he was nailing balls. It was it was incredible to watch, uh, and so just from like a pure performance standpoint, I feel like Rodrigo really had command every single game. Really, like Rodrigo does quietly what Danny Lynch does loudly for the morale of the team, and I think it's very very admirable. Uh, but if we're going to go off of a different criteria that, that, that I have, which is most improved and most impressive, because we kind of expect things like that from Rodrigo and from Dustin and from Tanner and from all these guys that really stepped up this weekend. They had already stepped up. They were just standing there, you know? But one guy that stepped up like crazy, how about Tate Parker, Dima? I mean, Scott, I'm sure you and I saw the same thing. Tate Parker, every time that he was in the order, I got a little nervous because, you know, he started off the season really well. I was like, oh, man, he might replace Reese, and Reese is a dog. And then he really started struggling at the plate. I remember there were multiple games in a row that Tate Parker would go and he would be hitless or he would maybe get walked once, but that was the only time he got on base. And then he, just like Rodrigo, only got out once. Which was crazy. Tate Parker was an on-base machine. He was the one to start almost all of those uh, innings in which Southern Miss would score. They started with Tate Parker singling or doubling, and or getting hit by a pitch or walking. It was an incredible display of improvement, patience at the plate, and just I was so thoroughly impressed with Tate Parker's performance. So honestly, given at the high level that Rodrigo's already been playing by. I'm going to go ahead and give my flowers to Tate Parker.
2: Well, you know what, Jackson, I just want to say um, about Tate Parker. I wasn't even nervous that he was in the lineup. I was fine with it. He can hit lefties. You know what made me nervous about Tate Parker? And this is a little bit of a little thing. It was a throws in from left field. I feel like there was a lot of times in that game, like it was after a play was over, but like sometimes this throw to second base where the cutoff man would be a little bit off point, but it didn't come back to bite them in any way uh but you're right tate parker incredible player he's tough and he did start a lot of rallies contact hitter but if i had i don't know if i can get flowers can i get flowers am i allowed to get flowers all right well i'll I'll, I'll get flowers and 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 i'll choose rodrigo montenegro that's who i would choose there's nobody else i consider seven hits five rbis and yeah one extra base hit but guys a certified He's a certified rally starter. I think Rodrigo is the one that really kicked things off for the team. Dog, you know what he's been let exactly. What he's done a lot of. He's the one that kind of kick things off. Whether it's getting on base or the energy, I feel like even though he had one extra base hit, it doesn't matter. I feel like a single in 2023 has kind of like been depreciated. It shouldn't be getting on base is getting on base. It doesn't matter. I'd rather have a guy that hits me a hundred singles, right? and, like, 50 doubles when a guy who hits me, like, you know, 25 home runs and strikes out a bunch. I like Rodrigo, and I feel like the catcher position in general is, like, kind of slept on for the Golden Eagles. Blake Johnson is good in his own right, too. Both catchers can do the same thing really, really well. Blake has a bat one needs it most, and I feel like Rodrigo as well, obviously, is a rally starter. Both guys I really trust. That's an underrated position, in my opinion, for USM. But Flowers this weekend... Rodrigo Montenegro,
1: John Benet, do you have a MVP this weekend? Can you hear? me? Hopefully, we got you this time. Yeah,
3: awesome. Okay, hopefully, it works this time. All right, so I've been stuck in between two, but just based off of what I've seen um, this past weekend, I have to go with Dustin Dickerson. You know, he had um, he had home runs in three out of the five games. Um, with let's see. He had four RBIs in game five and then tying it with Nick Monastery, he had three in game four versus Penn State. So I'm going to have to go with Dustin. And also, I feel like, you know, Nick has been taken notice by more people as well with, you know, the way he um, was able to hit this weekend, too. So it was hard to choose between those two for me, but I think I'm going to go with Dustin.
1: Uh, Solid choice, given that he was the MVP of the regional. Anyways, so (laughs) Um, yeah, I I think that's good. Um, I'm gonna go. I I think you know all those are great points. Excuse me. I really like the Tate Parker one. That's an interesting one because I mean, without him, they might not have won on Monday. Honestly, I mean, what was he like four for five Monday and uh, just Sunday, man? Yeah, yeah, for real. but I, I think it's pretty obvious. I think you got to go Nick Monaster. Honestly, it's at second base. Um, uh, he just made so many plays there at second base. There were just game changing plays. His bat was hot. Um, and, and and just like me and Jackson were saying in the Twitter space, man, this guy is a freshman. He's a true freshman trying to, um, you know, be. Uh, he, he he's entered into. Um, the biggest games of his career, right? I mean, this is – yeah, I mean, he played for a state championship um, in high school, but he's never been in an incidentally regional, and he's hitting he's hitting two RBI hits against Auburn in front of that crowd. He's hitting RBI hits in regional final games like it's nothing. And um, it, it, his and, – and I think and – I, and I tell everybody this – his play at second base to initiate that throw over to Dickey on second base – um, against Sanford in that game on Sunday, I mean, that might have saved the season, him and Carson Pato with the catch. I mean, both of those saved two or three runs right there. I mean, so really, really great play from Nick Monaster. I'm going to say he's my uh, – I'm going to give him my flowers as the player of the week. Um, but I think uh, – I cannot believe that a pitcher wasn't named. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that Justin Storm, what he did on Sunday night, um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, that, there's I think, nothing.
2: I think if any pitcher deserves flowers, it's got to be Armistead. Uh, because if you think yeah, about it. I mean, all of them. I mean, Storm's home run against Sanford kind of
1: ruined the weekend a little bit. Yeah. He did that's make a up great for point. it, but Armistead didn't yeah. really have any faults. That's true. What is Armistead's ERA at right now? Like 1.9 or something? I got to look that up. It's, in the, um, ones. it's in the ones. It's the ones. That's you crazy, all remember when he made that midweek dude. start? Yeah. So much progress. While I'm looking this up, um, Justin Storm, you know, I still think that that outing was just incredible. I mean, you're, you're talking about just 1.69 for Will. Unbelievable. Crazy. You think uh, you think he starts in a potential game three against Tennessee? If, I mean, you think he starts over Adams? I don't know. Probably not. I, I feel like he's coming to no. the the pin before we start.
2: Bullpen I mean bullpins are, are gonna be really key. <laughs> Thankfully it's a three game series, you don't have to worry about four or five games, but uh that that's one thing I worry about is depth. You know, uh, here's an interesting thing and it's a kind of a testament as to why I think I admire Southern Miss being so good all the time. You look at USM's roster, it's basically like, you know, ninety percent Mississippi guys. One floor guy, Danny Lynch, and a couple guys from Louisiana. You you saw Auburn, you know. It's a guys from all over the country. You're gonna see Tennessee guys from all over the country because it's Tennessee, and you're gonna have to face Chase Dolander, a top ten pick. It's not gonna be easy, yeah. But for somehow some way, no, the sure. kind of get it done,
1: you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, th- this is. Uh a lot of people are kind of just like putting Southern Miss in, in Omaha immediately. But I mean, you're right. I mean, Chase Stolander, he's a dog, man. I mean, uh, I think his stats 4.5 ERA, uh, but his, but his whip is at 1.27. Um, he's only given up uh, 13 home runs on the season. Uh, he's a great, great pitcher pitched against Clemson in that regional one of I believe. So um, should be really, really fun to see Southern Miss go up against him. Uh Let's let's move on. That, so that was our uh, MVPs. So uh, our players of the week. Fourth Street Sports Show. We always give our player of the week. So give our flowers. So uh, Jackson was Rod. Uh, Jackson remind me. I just forgot yours. I'm sorry. Rodrigo Montenegro. No. Tate Parker. Um, and then uh, John Benet was Tate was uh, Dustin Dickerson. And then Scott, you were uh, Rodrigo Montenegro. And then I was uh, Nick Monster. So uh, those are our flowers. Players of the week. Let's move on. Um, and we can kind of combine these two. I, I know that I was probably the only person in this room um, who really followed the team of last year, um, you know, throughout the entire season. Uh, and, and, you know, you can jump in and be like, no, I know. I know about the team from last year. But, you know, I guess the question is, if Southern Miss beats Tennessee this weekend, you know, they get to Omaha first time in 13 years second time in program history do you think that this team is or what is different about this team that that, that makes them get there right like what's the difference because last year you could look at the talent and say well they're about the same it's basically the same players right um but what about this year's team jackson scott jominay what do you think is the the key difference right there there's there's something about this team that makes me feel like that they have at least a better shot of getting to Omaha than last year.
0: Personally, I think it's, uh, I think it's the way that they're being perceived. So last year, I remember after a pretty big win, um, Southern Miss was ranked number three in the nation in baseball. It was, uh, it was was crazy to see everybody was really pumped about it. Um, And I mean, why wouldn't, Southern must be ranked number three in the nation. Their their starting pitchers were Tanner Hall, Hurston Waldrop, and Hunter Riggins, right? And those three guys were all dogs. They were incredible. And then you had bullpen arms like Tyler Stewart, like Dalton Rogers, just absolute monsters on the bump. And nobody could outpitch them. Uh, I don't think I've ever witnessed once where Southern Miss was outpitched last season. Um, and it, it was it was really an, an incredible thing to watch. Um, but this season heading in, everyone was talking about Southern Miss differently. They're like, uh, yep, it's going to be a down year. Uh, Southern Miss... Lost all their guys. I mean, and given they lost eight of their nine main pitchers, seven of them were gone for good. One of them had to get Tommy John surgery. And of those seven that left one graduated, one transferred and the rest of them were drafted. And the guy who graduated ended up going to a single a, and he's already been promoted to like double a, if I'm not mistaken. So like th- that team was just full of dogs, like absolutely just like, like chock full of them. And What I think helped was they were counted out. They were overlooked. I mean, people rank Southern Miss fairly high uh, in the preseason polls, but that was just because of where they finished last year. And they were like, oh, you know, they've got a veteran lineup. And I bet these bats can get them out of any bad situation that their pitching will put them into. And everyone talks smack about Southern Miss's pitching. And funnily enough, at the start of the season, and for a while there, the pitching that everyone was worried about was getting the bats out of trouble because Southern Miss really had trouble hitting at the beginning of the season, and these young guys, these, these guys that were looking for an opportunity, people like Nico Maza, Cross Sibley, both of those guys were there last year. They didn't really, Nico Maza made a couple of appearances, but Cross Sibley didn't make any. Um, and they were on the team, and they were with this high caliber, high talent pitching staff. And then they finally get their turn and they were incredible and they still are. Um, And so I feel like that really helps. But also one thing that I've noticed in every single press conference, at least one player, most of the time, two players and a coach will mention just how close everyone was. We were talking about Nick Monaster um, and how he came from high school, you know, Mr. 6A. Uh, out Straight on of northwest rank and come to Southern Miss. Um, he comes in as as just a bullpen pitcher. Didn't really see much action. Was pitched um, against Old Dominion in a doubleheader. And second base was kind of up for grabs because people were like Creek and Gabe were struggling at bat. And then, you know what? Let's put Nick in. First collegiate at bat's a triple. I've talked about this time and time again. But that next man up mentality helped Southern Miss do better. When you had so many fantastic players in last year, there was no contention for any spot on that lineup, whether it was pitching or at the plate. There was nobody was going to replace, you know, n- nobody was going to replace anybody. Nobody was going to replace Gabe Montenegro. Nobody was going to replace Will McGillis. Those guys leave. You got a bunch of young, scrappy guys that sat there for too long or just got there, and they are looking to make a name for themselves. So competi- competition's good. Competition and also closeness. Every single person has talked about bringing each other in, loving each other. They've These guys are their brothers. I mean, if you look at Nick Monaster, a lot of times uh, freshman athletes may feel ostracized. They may feel out of the group. Every single time Nick Monaster stepped up big and was in a post-game press conference with Dima on the field, you'd have one or two guys just run. Most of the time it was Dustin Dickerson just running, taking off his hat, pouring water on his head. You had guys running up, hugging each other after games. You have people like just in the background of those. Like I, I found myself watching Dima's post-game press conferences. I, I, I watched them in the background. Uh, you had Reese Ewing a guy who's competing with Tate Parker playing with Tate Parker's baby, you know, hanging out with them. Like there is a sense of camaraderie. There's a sense of brotherhood in that combined with the media counting them out, other coaches, other schools counting them out. Of course they were picked to win the conference because, I mean, it's Southern Miss. They're a pretty big juggernaut. And coming off the season they had last year and with the veteran lineup at the plate, of course people thought – uh, the hitting was going to be really good. But people counting out the pitching, and then the pitching stepped up, and then people counting out the bats, and then the bats stepped up. That really helped. Uh, and just that next man up mentality, that is where Southern Miss thrives. So because of those things, uh, I think that is why the 2023
2: team is better than last year. You know, I actually think uh, I think last year's team was better roster-wise. But I think for some reason – a lot of times in baseball, it's not the best players or the best teams that win. It's just uh, there's something magical I think in this game. Uh, look at Steve Pierce, 2018 Boston Red Sox World Series MVP. Who is that guy? Howie Kendrick. Some might, some people might not know his name. Who is that guy? Another World Series MVP. You know, it's just not. It's not the best team all the times. It's just uh, I think it's experience. And I think this team has something to play for. I think it's really impressive that they're in the spot that they're in with the pitching. Because last year's pitching on paper, it's better. You know, Hurston, Waldron, uh, Riggins, a lot of guys got drafted. I don't know what the number is. I think you said it. But, I mean, this pitching staff on paper this year isn't supposed to be doing what they're doing. Look at numbers, ERA, and stuff. You you know, you kind of see someone put in. A lot of times, if you're watching, your heart kind of starts beating. But they somehow deliver. I think they do have something to play for Right, they were in this spot last year. Now they kind of know how to handle themselves. Right, I'll bring this into basketball just a little bit. How about the Heatles in twenty eleven against the Mavericks? Best team didn't really know how to win. I feel like maybe last year they were a really good team. I think I think they're better than this year's team. Maybe they didn't know how to do it. Right, because last year when they got to the Super Regional, it was like they won the Sun Belt this year. And Auburn last Monday. They were happy, they were psyched, but it wasn't quite the same. Like, they know they have much more on their plate to do. And they've really taken that underdog mentality and kind of owned it, and I respect that. You know, I think Coach Barry's preaching it too. Every time he has the chance, he mentions that Coastal Carolina series, and I think really toys with the guys a little bit. Like, he really challenges these guys in the best way. Like, he'll literally go to the pressers and be like, I hope they realize how urgent this is, right? Like, you know, you know, we can't embarrass tomorrow. Like we've come this far. We can't just leave now. Like he has no problem calling them out. And I feel like the guys have no problem calling each other out too. And that works, right? When you work with a team and like you can be held accountable and not get your feelings hurt, that's a big thing. It really is. Cause egos are a thing and egos can get in the way of a lot. I don't really see any big egos and it, if there is one, it kind of plays off from another. So I think last year's team was better, but this year's team has a little bit more magic. I mean, Danny Lynch two-gram slams against uh, Louisiana. I think that was all the magic meeting up year, right? Scott Barry night they get bullet out of 10 nothing, they come right back like nothing happened. That's magic stuff right there.
3: I agree, and to expand on both of y'all's points, really, I feel like, yes, last year's team was better on paper, but For whatever reason, this year, they've been able to bounce back from everything. You know, in the beginning, there was a lot of inconsistencies, like what you guys have already said, you know, pitching especially and then hitting, too. Um, But they were able to bounce back and really improve in both of those areas, I think, really well. And it wasn't, you know, quick or anything, but it wasn't an overnight thing is, you know, what I mean. But they've been able to come back and be where they need to be for the Super Regional, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it's a great point. Um, I think all of y'all said it correctly. I think I think Scott's right. Uh, last year's team on paper, of course, is, is better. Uh, two point, uh, get the stats up here, so 3.29 ERA for the team. And then um, the total ERA for this year uh, is 4.50. So pretty ex- extensive difference there. Uh, the, the the bats are a little bit better this year, but not by much. Um, two point seven six average last year, and then a two point eight six this year. So I mean, I, I about a tenth of a percent difference. But but yeah, I mean, I think it's I think you're right. I think I think it's I think it's I think this team is just different. And now that they know that they are two wins away from Omaha, um, I, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the fact that they can take their experiences, right? Like they got, just like Luke Scott was saying, you got blown off the field on Scott Berry night in an emotional night, you come back the next day and act like it never happened. You get destroyed by a subpar Appalachian State team, come back in four hours and, and like nothing happened. You get get gut punched when you lose to Sanford in the opening round, you come back the next morning and beat an SEC team on their turf like nothing even happened, went on to win the regional, and now you're two wins away to send your coach and, I mean, basically their father, a father figure to them, to Omaha, and he's never been in his coaching career, only as an assistant coach. And I think they just understand uh, kind of like uh, actually one of our guests who was on the live show the other night was saying, they understand the the importance of this because you're not going to have a roster like this again next year. I mean, you have a lot of answers uh, questions to answer next season, right? You, you don't know who's going to be playing in certain positions next year. And this year, it's a no-brainer who's playing in certain positions. So I think it's they understand the importance. They understand that if they want to get this done, they better get it done this year. Because, I mean, getting to a Super Regional three years in a row would be insane. It's possible, but it'd be insane. You know, it'd be crazy. Two years in a row is already hard enough. Uh, and so I feel like that they understand the importance of this. And I think just to have it on their home field is even bigger. I really do. I mean, I just feel like you, you get a chance to send uh, your send uh, Barry. You get to send to send this program out into that national um, national respect that that, that it deserves. Um, so yeah, last year's team was better. I mean, if you played if the teams played each other, I don't I mean I don't know who would win. I would say last year's team, but because I don't, I mean, the pitching was just unbelievable. But um, but yeah, I mean, this team isn't that far off and there's players stepping up in those roles, um, because the, the pitching, I mean, the beginning of the season was really, 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 I mean, you, you didn't know who you trusted and now you're like, oh yeah, Nico Monza. Oh yeah. Sibley. Oh yeah. You know, so they figured it out. It wasn't something that, um, it, it's still a question. They, they figured it out. They figured out how to, uh, work in some kinks. They brought in Nick Monaster to hit just like. We've all been saying, I mean, they, they, they just, they spent the season figuring it out. And then once they figured it out, they went with it. And now they're on whatever their, their streak is, which, um, which, I mean, I I would argue they're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now outside of maybe wake forest. So, and you always want to be hot in this time of year. So I think that that's the difference. I feel like that Southern Miss last season was kind of just like slumping their way into the postseason. And then they beat LSU, and it was like, oh, yeah, but Ole Miss was like we this, 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 this. We figured it out here. We figured it out there. We have our power hitters. We have this. And as I said on the Twitter space, I really compared this Southern Miss team to Ole Miss from last season. I mean, at the beginning of the year in Ole Miss of last season, they didn't have they, – they could not figure out the pitching at all, right? They, they were like, who in that crap is going to throw the ball? Then at the end of the year, they had like – all-star arms and who made Southern Miss look silly in both of the super regional games against a pretty good hitting Southern Miss team. I mean, that's not like a, that's a pretty good roster from last season. Um, and you know, in the beginning of the year, you know, we thought it was Nico Monza going to start on Sunday, but we thought it was pretty much, it could be anybody. We knew Justin Storm would be good. We didn't know anything about Will Armistead really. And now, I mean, they've really figured it out pitching wise, right? I mean, they really have, um, and then you feel like you have those, those, those threats on the offense who can come up with hits in the right times, as, they, as you've seen. So I would compare Southern Miss a lot to last season's Ole Miss team. And I would compare, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of other teams to Southern Miss from last season, who's kind of slumping into the postseason. And then they're, they're winning, but, you know, you, you, you have a lot of questions to answer. There's not any really big alarming question. That you have to ask about the Southern Miss team right now, and that's something that wasn't true last season. Last season, you're like, well, what are they going to do if a left hander throws at them? Right, like I, I remember, like they can't hit lefties. They, they they really need to get to to this guy out of the game, Hunter Hunter Elliott, when Ole Miss pitched against them in the Super Regional. Um, there was a question of what do they do when you know you 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 take out Tanner Hall or Hurston Waldrup? Is the back end of the bullpen going to be okay against uh, a team like LSU or Ole Miss. And I feel like you have you like your chances going into the Super Regional a lot, a lot better because there's not any alarming question. So that would be my long and detailed answer. Um, but, yeah, I think all three of you all make great points there. Um, so that should be good on that. Um, I guess uh, if you had to, to say right now uh, – You know, we're going to come back uh, Friday um, and do a preview prediction pod. We'll actually have a Tennessee beat writer on uh, to talk about the Tennessee volunteers. So that'll be fun. Uh, Jackson, if you had to guess right now, early thoughts of the Super Regional, quick two minutes, biggest key for Southern Miss, who wins? Actually don't say who wins because we we want to say that for the Friday. pod.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, um, the biggest key, I think, for Southern Miss, if they do want to win this Super Regional, I'm not giving away my prediction or anything, but, uh, but, but if you follow the 4th Street Sports Show, you, you probably know my prediction. But anyways, um, the biggest key for Southern Miss is consistency. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Um, because, you know, Southern Miss will be good. And they have been good. And they are good. But then there are times, like Scott Berry Appreciation Night, like dropping the game to App State in a hilarious fashion where the score should have been far higher than it, than it was against the Golden Eagles. Um, and then you have games where they respond. But we are now at the point in the season where there's not a lot of time to respond. Of course, the Golden Eagles can lose game one of this series and win games two and three. That's perfectly within uh, reason. But there is not a lot of room for error for the Golden Eagles. So I would say consistency, whether it's consistency pitching, where we don't see anything out of character, you know, because Justin Storm was lights out Sunday night against Penn. But Friday, he was uncharacteristically uh, giving up hits that he shouldn't have. Um, And the same thing, Um, Rodrigo Montenegro and Danny Lynch and Christopher Sargent and all of these guys that are known for being dogs, they just couldn't hit the ball. And none of of the guys in the lineup really could that Friday. So if they can be the team that they were every game except for this past Friday – then that's the key. It's consistency. You, there is no more room for error for out-of-character performances. No more room for error for performances in which they lose it. Because this is... Every single game from here on out determines how much longer their season is going to be. So, consistency, that is my key for uh, for Southern Miss. Give out my prediction. I'll be here
1: Friday. So,
2: can I, am I allowed to?
1: Um... Sure, give us your prediction, Scott. Cool.
2: Well, I think Friday's game will be the the outlier of of the weekend
1: because Saturday, Saturday's, Hall game. The Saturday's
2: game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Saturday, that's right. I keep forgetting it's Saturday. Saturday's game. Saturday's game's gonna be the outlier, and that's because you got Tanner Hall and Chase Doolander on the mound. That's gonna be a pitching duel. I don't expect the bats to wake up against Chase Doolander, but I also I'm not going to expect Tennessee to wake up against Tanner Hall, right? Both guys are going to bring their best stuff. That's going to be an absolute fight. And that's going to come down to errors and leaving guys on base. Like, I think the biggest nail in the coffin for USM, like, if they lose games, you got to look at the LOB. Like, when they lose, it's because they leave, like, 15, 16 guys on base, 12, 11, whatever that is. Like, against Sanford. On Friday, the bases loaded three times in that game? Of course you're going to lose. Why did Penn lose? comes down to a couple things. Pitching for one, but it was also errors, right? Samford too. You can't do that. And I think the biggest key throughout the weekend is going to be the bats because I don't expect the pitching staff to shut down Tennessee. I think they're a different team than Auburn. I don't think they're any SEC team. I think they're Tennessee. You got major league bats in that lineup. You got a couple of big league bats in the USM lineup. Depends. But you got to be honest with ourselves here. Sometimes the big league bats in college don't translate to winning, right? Like a lot of like winning college teams, half of the roster, even 90% of the roster didn't go pro. But you got a lot of big league bats in this Tennessee lineup. So you have to respond. Don't expect your pitching to come through. It probably won't. I don't think it will. It's going to take a long offense. I think if USM takes game one, they'll win it in three. But I think it's going to be very ugly for if you're a pitcher. Like If you're a pitcher, you'll be a hiler. It's going to be like 10 to 11, you know, 12, 13, something like that. It's going to be an offensive showing. I think finally, too, if you're a fan, you got to come out and show out. Because the huge reason why they won in Montgomery and Auburn is because of support. You're hosting a whole regional. You talked about that for weeks and weeks. You didn't get to host the first one. Fine, they threw you a bone. You gotta take it. You cannot let the Rocky Toppy, whatever they sue it, sloppy, whatever, outdo you in your own home. In your own home, can't do it. Can't do it. Who wins, Scott? USN takes it in three games.
1: That's your ending huh? finish on Monday. Woo-hoo, that'd be fun. JB keys to the. Oh, man. man. I'll walk off of the insane. Um, JB, what's your key seller miss this weekend? Don't give a prediction.
3: Don't give a prediction. Okay. Well, I don't know what more I could add to what Jackson and Scott said, but I'm already feeling the tension from this game. Like, hasn't even started yet, but I feel like Compared to last year's Super Regional, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Twitter or Eagle Post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the tension just seems hot. like it just, I don't know, it's stronger this year. And I agree, it's not going to be pretty, however it ends up Tennessee or USM. But um, it's really, I think, a 50-50 shot between the two. And we'll just have to see how it plays out. Also, For sure.
2: I want to mention one more thing, yeah. if you don't mind, too. I just want to say as well that USM has, like, the entire state on their shoulders. You got duty got field also giving them a shout-out, right? They're saying, ah, screw it. Southern Miss to the top. Like, the entire state's rooting for you, right? Like, if you're an old Miss I fan, saw you're see Tennessee win.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, see, I'm kind of on the the other end of that. I hate that, to be honest. Like, I – I hate Ole Miss and State fans who are like, yeah, we're now Southern Miss fans. I'm like, no, you're not. Stop. Southern – like, that is not how it works. You cannot – you cannot look like absolute dog water all season and then just be a Southern Miss fan because they're in the Super Regional. Like, I'm i not a fan of that. Like, I was not – I mean, how many Southern Miss fans were rooting for Ole Miss to win last year? Like, I don't think really anybody – I mean, I thought that they could win because I thought they were really hot. Um but, like, Southern Miss fans doesn't root for Mississippi State if they're, like, in a bowl game. Like, I, I get the people who are like, Mississippi, 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 but I, I do not like the Mississippi State fans just becoming Southern Miss fans. Like, that's just – I don't like that at all.
2: <laughs> well, but, you know, if I was a Southern Miss fan, right, and I see Ole Miss in it, it's a little different last year because they get to Omaha. But it's just like uh, – look, I'll, I'll translate. I'm from Miami, right, so I grew up watching the Hurricanes, okay? And I'll say my Hurricanes didn't do very well. But Florida is playing UCF. Like, I'm, I don't want, I, you know, I, I don't want Florida to win. Like, they're our rival. If you're old Miss guy, like, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss Tennessee are, like, you know, clashing heads. You don't want Tennessee to advance because that's your number one. So you'll take the lesser of two evils. That's what I think is going on. You know what I mean? Plus, you get got to complete a trifecta here.
1: It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, no mention of rooting for Florida on this podcast, unfortunately. We, we don't allow that. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree, for sure. Uh, my key to this weekend for Southern Miss, I think, is, um, you know, I, I think they, they just need to respond to the pressure they're going to have. And they've done that this season. But I think last e- last year, when they got to this point, there was so much pressure on Southern Miss to, come, to win that series, uh, it just felt like, you know, they just they just never they didn't play for the moment. It felt like, you know, like they I knew mean, it was just an absolute bolt whipping each each game. Like both games are just just absolutely destroyed. Right. Um, and I think that this season it's different. I don't think it'll happen like that again. Um, a lot of people are telling me like, hey, when we get to game two and we get to game three, all this stuff. And I'm like, how about like, let's let's start with scoring a run. Let's let's start with like number one goal score run in a Super Regional, because they haven't done that. They didn't do that last year, right? So um, that's what I say. Like, play baseball. Play – just go out there and play the game. And if they do that, they have a they have the best chance to win the Super Regional um, that, that they're going to give themselves. And I think it's going to start with getting guys in, two out hits, right? It's going to start with uh, not leaving, like Scott and Jackson were saying, 13 or 14 men on base. That's not going to cut it. You're not going to beat Tennessee if you leave 13 or 14 bat men, men on base. I think game One's going to be big. I think that whoever wins game one will win game two. So I think that game one is pivotable. Pivotable? Pivotable? I cannot speak. Pivotal, pivotable? Pivotable? Game one is so important for this and Tennessee. Um, and that'll tell I, – I said it last year, actually. I said whoever won game one would win those series, and that was correct. So game one is pivotal. I can't, I'm not going to say that word. Okay, game one is important. Um, <laughs> uh, Southern Miss Tennessee, uh, but I think it starts – just play the game of baseball, man. Don't worry about the outside noise. Uh, just go, go out and play your game and take your shot. Take your shot against a, a Tennessee team who, I mean, on paper is probably a better roster than you. Like I think everybody would agree with that, right? And on one to nine might be a better hitting squad than you, but take your shot. This is your chance. And if they stay with that mentality, I think they can win the super regional and I think they can get back to Eastern Nebraska for the first time since 2009. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Obviously we will all four of us be there um, this weekend uh, in, um, in Hattiesburg watching Southern Miss Tennessee. So, Uh, Tomorrow, we'll be back on the show answering um, fan questions, Uh, so if you want to put in your fan question, uh, just go to my Twitter, uh, and you can go and put your question in the chat there, and we'll definitely get to them tomorrow, and then Friday we'll be back with the preview and prediction pod. Uh, We'll preview Tennessee in depth. We'll have the Tennessee beat writer on, and and we'll talk with him, and then uh, we'll give our predictions of who's going to win the Super Regional and why, Uh, but for now, uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us, man. We enjoyed uh, having you on.
2: Well, of course, thank you so much. You know, I hope it's not my uh, my one and done appearance. I don't get in trouble for this, so uh, we'll find out. We'll find out. Just, you know, my opinions are my own. It does not reflect anything of my company or what will be said or done. You know, I just root for good stories. Yeah. You know, I think Southern Miss is a good story. So them doing well is a good story. That's all I'll say.
1: For sure. Uh, Scott, just plug your stuff so people can know where to find you at and see where you where you cover Southern Miss from.
2: Oh, well, for sure. So, I mean, you can find me on uh, any local cable channel in the Fine Belt, uh, NBC, ABC. I'm on the air uh, weeknights uh, at 6 and 10 o'clock on Sundays and Mondays, Anchor and Solo. And every now and then you'll find me, uh, you know, going live. Like definitely this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I will be going live from the game on WDAM alongside taylor curette but follow me on social media go on twitter at scott kirk tv also on instagram i try to be active on there but i'm not as good as guys like dima or andrew or even taylor i try my best though so uh go ahead and and, uh give me a follow give me a watch that means more than follow so also if you see me anywhere the game the grocery store i'm saying hi i don't bite
1: for sure great great guy uh scott thanks for coming on uh Jackson and John Benet. You can always follow them on Twitter uh, and look for their stuff there. Um, and then obviously you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, follow our all of our social media, Southern Miss Student Media and Fourth Street Sports. Uh, and you can go on Fourth Street Sports uh, excuse me, Southern Miss Student Media on YouTube, find all the press conferences there. And then uh, you can um go to our website at SM2.com to find all the stories. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. For Jackson Kennedy, for John Benet Keffer, and for Scott Kirk, I'm Dio Mixon, and that was the 4th Street Sports Show.
2: Come back next Monday at 5 on Southern Miss Radio, 4th Street Sports, baby.